0: All right, let's begin. Thank you all for coming, and thank you for, uh, for being a church that loves fellowship and wants to connect with each other. So that's, that's awesome. Um, so I'm Ryan, and I'm, I'm not Trey, just to be clear. Um, and today we're going to be talking about parenting. Trey actually asked me, I don't know, three or so weeks ago um, over lunch, he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm gone one Sunday. Would would you be willing to step in and and like a sucker?" I said, "Sure." Uh, what's what what's what would be a good topic? And he and and you know, he said, "How about parenting?" And like a sucker, I said, "Sure." <laughs> um, and I realized on the drive home, oh shoot, I have to stand up in front of a room full of not only parents but like really good parents. And I know not all of your parents. We'll talk about that in a second, but like. And tell other people how to do parenting. Like, whoa. Um, and so I, I very quickly strategized in my head, how do, I, how do I do this without being the one up here telling you to, uh, how to do parenting? And the answer, as always, um, is the Word of God. So we're going to be looking at the Word of God as far as, as how best to love our kids. And so hopefully you got that primer on because you, you will be quizzed by your kids after service on uh, what is the best thing you can do to love them. Um, so let's, let's read our passage for the day. We have kind of an anchor passage and we'll be jumping around a little bit. Let's read this and, and then I'll pray. So it's from 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 15 and 16. It says, Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. God, please illuminate your word for us as we open up scripture, as we get to hear from you. God, let let your word soak deep in our hearts. Your word never returns void. God, we ask right now that you comfort the afflicted, um, heal the broken heart as, as we hurt with those who are hurting, and help us to celebrate with those who are celebrating and be joyful. Um, God, we ask specifically as we kind of turn our attention and our hearts to our, to our kids and how we can best, best love our kids, we ask you to watch over our children. Uh, help us shepherd them well by being shepherded by you and by following after your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So not everyone here is a parent. That's okay. Um, you may have been a parent, uh, or you may not have kids in, in the house anymore, and that season may be kind of done for you. But that doesn't mean you're not a parent. You may not be a parent yet. Um, or that may just not be something that God has for you. And that is okay. When, when, when the Bible, um, the, the scriptures that talk about parenting were for the most part letters that were meant to be read in front of the church, in front of the whole church, everybody. It's not like, hey, let's have a parent conference right now and then look at this one little scripture and nobody else gets to hear it. It doesn't matter to anybody else. The other thing I would say is as we talk about this stuff, I think with just a couple exceptions. There's one exception, there's a Tim Keller quote about, about the uniqueness of the parent-child relationship. And there's a little bit that I got from somebody else about uh, about aliens. Those things don't really apply to non-parents. We'll get there, you'll see. Um, but but for the most part, everything else applies in other relationships as well. So just kind of watch out for that. This is not just a parent thing. Um, this is a big, big topic. I. I I kind of like data numbers, so I, I checked it out. If you Google parenting, on, uh, or if you just search for parenting on Amazon in the books section, the search results, it just says over 60,000 books available. Okay? It doesn't even bother to give you the exact number. It just says over 60,000. Um, if you go over to christianbook.com and you look at parenting books, there are, take a guess in your head right now, how many parenting books are on christianbook.com? There are 5,703 all the way from literally parenting in the womb to doing life with your adult children, okay? Anywhere in there, you can find Christian books on parenting. This is a huge topic, and we're not going to even attempt to tackle it all. Um, we're really going to just focus on one little little, <laughs> little one little concept, and that is spiritual formation. Um, and we're going to start with the practice. Like I said, we're doing things a little bit different today. But kind of the same. So, this is going to be a little unique if you're ready for it. We're going to start with a practice that was made famous by a a Presbyterian minister from Pittsburgh. Um, And I'm going to read this exactly as he would. I'd like to give you all an invisible gift, a gift of silence to think about those who have helped you become who you are today. Anyone who has ever loved you and wanted what was best for you in life. Some of those people may be right here today, some may be far away, some may even be in heaven but if they've loved you and encouraged you and wanted what was best for you, they're right inside yourself. And I feel you deserve quiet time to devote some thought to them. So let's just take a moment in honor of those who have cared about us all along the way. I'd like you to have one silent minute to think of them. I'll watch the time. whoever you've been thinking about, just imagine how grateful they must be that during your silent times, you remember how important they are to you. That little exercise was brought to to us, to the world, by a a humble, quiet man named Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Um, When he was invited to to speak at commencement speeches, um, he would do that with college students. He did it at the Emmy Awards. He received a Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in uh, producing just just an incredibly impactful TV show for kids for for decades. And he received a Lifetime Achievement Awards and he's at the Emmy Awards and they didn't give him a minute, but he took 10 seconds. And there's a YouTube video uh, that actually is really powerful to sit there and and watch this this room full of celebrities, um, even just take 10 seconds to stop and see and reflect on, on who and how they've been formed over the years. Um, I'd encourage you to look that up. But that is, that is thanks to Fred Rogers. And what is the point of doing that? Well, it, it makes for incredibly bad radio and it will be terrible on the, the podcast that, that will go out uh, with, with this service. Um, but beyond that, it, it's, a, it's an opportunity to think about the concept of spiritual formation. And that's really what we're, what we're talking about today and how we're approaching parenting. We are all being formed. We are all being formed. We all have a non-physical part of us that there's this whole like, study called biblical anthrop- anthropology. You can look at like, like all the different non-physical parts of us and how they're formed. I'm just going to make it really simple. Let's just call that the spirit. Okay? We all have this non-physical part of us that is being formed. And I can prove to you that it's being formed. I can 100% prove to you that 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 is happening right now and it has happened think about it you the non-physical part of you is different right now than it was when you were six years old it's different right now than when you were 18 it's different right now than when you were 20 or 24 or 30 or for some of you i might need to keep going a while Um, it's different okay you have changed you have been formed that is happening spiritual formation is happening um, and it's absolutely critical that we realize that we're being formed. It's critical to our Christian life, and as everyday disciples, I hope to show it's critical to our life as parents. Um, and that's really kind of the, where this fits in to this, to this series that we're in on Everyday Disciples. How are we disciples? How are we followers, apprentices of Jesus Christ in our everyday, mundane lives that we're, that we're soaking in and living in? Um, Dallas Willard has this quote that, honestly, it's, it's so good, and I'm disappointed in myself I didn't put on a slide, but it's so good I could just say it and stop and walk out of here, and, and we'd be done. Um, so pay attention. So says, Spiritual formation, for the Christian, basically refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. The inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So as we approach spiritual formation, this is not, as we talk about parenting, this is not Ryan's top 10 parenting tips. I ran kicking and screaming from that, that concept. Um, I don't think I, I have a whole lot to share there, but I do want to just talk about uh, spiritual formation as this most important thing that we can do. So looking back at our, at our scripture, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 15-16 says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that in... In, so that all may see your progress, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So this begs the question, what are these things, right? Practice these things. Well, just like all scripture, this is not just a, a little snippet that was meant to be passed out on little little like business cards or something. This is part of a larger letter, a larger context. So these things, as we look further back in, in this letter, and by the way, actually, I'll, I'll get to those in just a second, but um, this is a letter from Paul to his protege that he's raising up and training up, a um, young preacher named Timothy. And Paul, if you remember, the last time I was up here, we looked at Philippians 3, talking about how Paul gave up so much for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And, and so this is, this is the same Paul who, like, that is the, the treasure that he gave up his, his cush, comfortable life to pursue, and, um, and he's now training Timothy on how to really keep a close watch over that and handle that well. So what are these things that Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to immerse himself in? Well, looking further up the, up the passage, it says things like words of the faith, good doctrine, godliness, the living God, the Savior, love, faith, purity. Those are the sorts of things that, that Paul is really exhorting Timothy to say, hey, Keep a close watch on these things um, and teach them well, and you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Um, so it's just multiplying effect that's really critical. And this is where this makes me really like think of this as parenting. There's this multiplying effect here where, where Paul is telling Timothy, this is gonna save yourself and your hearers, not just your hearers. Um, so what is the teaching? Okay. Um, it says keep a close, close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Well, the teaching really is the gospel, and again, this is what Paul gave up a lot of his his comfortable life for, is the gospel, and that can be summarized in a lot of different ways, and it is in different places in scripture, so it's actually, believe it or not, kind of kind of a challenge to get the gospel in like 15 words, but here's my attempt at that, as far as what the teaching is, what the gospel is. It's the good news, so this is not just like A thing or an object. This is news uh, that can be shared. The good news of the saving grace of faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now if you're if you're a real Bible student, you can probably pick a couple things that I missed or underemphasized or overemphasized in there, and I, I think that's very probably very fair. But this is the teaching. Okay, Paul is saying: handle this well. Handle the good news of the saving grace of faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Handle that well and you'll save both yourself and your hearers. So my theory, what I want to put out there on the table for us to think about and talk about today, this idea, Abby, if you could go to the next one, is that your deeper understanding, your deeper belief, not just surface level, I raised my hand once, I said a prayer, I'm not really living like it though, but your deeply held belief and understanding of the gospel is the most important things you can do for your kids. And again, remember, it's not just parenting, okay? You can apply this to friendships. You can apply this to working relationships. You can apply this all over the place. Um, so that's what I'm putting out there, okay? You may, you may at the end of this decide I'm right. You may decide I'm wrong, but that's, that's what I want to put out there. That is the most important thing you can do for your kids is get this gospel as a deeply held belief. The kind of belief that's, that necessarily leads to a, a want, a desire, a disposition for certain actions. Um, that's what we're trying to accomplish here. But it's not just about hearing from me. So I asked um, a number of, of the really good parents, there are so many. I just picked a handful, and asked for a little bit of feedback. Um, Proverbs 11: 14 is a really kind of really cool verse. Proverbs full of wisdom. Great things to think about, great things to live by. It says, where there is no guidance, the people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We have an abundance of counselors around us. So I asked for a a little bit of feedback from parents, and I thought I'd get like four or five little nuggets that I could fit in here. I got pages and pages and pages of feedback from from a handful of parents on this. Way more than I could include. So Cheryl actually has nicely packaged a little packet. Um, It's only like two pages. It's not that big. Um, it's back on the welcome table after after service, um, especially parents, but really anybody. Feel free to grab it, and it's got everything that I got as far as great little tips and tricks, some scriptures, some practices um, that some of our abundance of counselors here um, uses, in the, and it's really helpful. But we're going to be looking at a couple of them. Um, and by the way, on this abundance of counselors thing, one thing that's been really awesome in uh, Cheryl and I's life, so we have... We have two kids. They're both back there at the sound booth. Don't look at them. Don't embarrass them. Don't look. Don't look. Um, they're, they're now 12 and 15. We we love them. They are great kids. We're very proud of them. We've been blessed along the way to always have friends with kids who are a little bit older and be able to ask them: how do you handle this? How do you handle driving? How do you handle phones? How do you handle social media? Um, we've asked that question <laughs> so many times. Uh, and, it, and it's been a real blessing. So we get a chance to kind of hear from other parents. So here's one little piece of advice that we got from, uh, from one of our abundance of counselors that's uh, part of our church. It says, uh, and by the way, this is under the umbrella, literally, you see it on the screen, under the umbrella of the saving grace of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It all fits under there, okay? This is great. A piece of advice that I've found unhelpful is enjoy every minute How many people say that to you when you have a newborn? Too many to count. But if we're being frank, every minute is not always enjoyable, and it's an unfair pressure and expectation to put on new parents that every aspect of parenting should be enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I I see a lot of faces that know what I'm talking about. Um, How does this fit under the gospel? Give yourself some grace. It's okay if fill-in-the-blank is not a fun moment in parenting, okay? There's plenty of them. Give yourself some grace with that. We don't need to be perfect. Even our enjoyment of parenting doesn't need to be perfect. Um, Cheryl and I have a little, a little code word in our house that we use. Um, she doesn't know I'm sharing this. Kids don't know I'm sharing this. Uh, every once in a while, we look at each other, something happens, and we just look at each other, and we say, piff, piff. And our kids, to this moment, do not know what piff means, Okay? So they're about to find out. When we look at each other and we say piff, what we're saying is parenting is fun. Parenting is fun. And in those moments, it is. But guess what? We don't look at each other constantly and say piff. It's not always like that. And it would be unfair if we set that expectation on ourselves of this is always going to be fun. Okay? It has its moments. It has it ups, its ups. It has its, its downs. And we can no longer use that saying in our house and our kids not know it, know what it means. Um, but the point is there's, there's always, yeah, there's always the ups and downs. Don't put pressure on yourself that it has to be fun. Uh, one little piece of advice that I got like very early when Eli was, was just born, um, uh, kind of a mentor of mine said, don't be looking forward to the next stage. Enjoy the stage that you're in. Don't always be looking forward to the next stage. So even though that there might be hard things about that stage of parenting, Whatever that stage is, whether it's diapers or crawling or, or school or driving or college or whatever, um, enjoy what there is to enjoy about that stage. Okay, uh, we're going to look at a, a great parenting verse. You, you talk about parenting in the Bible. This one always is going to come up. It's from Proverbs 22. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it and I want to walk walk with this one a little bit carefully because as I I look at the gospel umbrella, the saving grace of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, um, if I look at this as a promise, it doesn't really fit. Just being honest here, I don't really see how it fits under the gospel umbrella. If I look at this and I say this is a promise, there's an input and an output. If I do the input, the output happens, okay? I don't think, and I could be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong If you think I'm wrong and that this actually is a promise, you have grounds to believe that, okay? 100%. But I would posit, there's a good academic word for you, I would posit that this is wisdom, okay? It's from Proverbs. This is wisdom. It's not meant to be read as a promise. It's meant to be read as, do you want your child when he's old to not depart from the way he should go? Yeah. Well, what should you do? Train train him up in that way. That's what you should do. I don't think this is meant to be a promise. Um, Proverbs are, are short, pithy, little little nuggets of wisdom, okay? An apple a day keeps the doctor, doctor away. That's a proverb. It's not a biblical proverb, but it's a proverb. Um, a biblical proverb from later on in the same chapter says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. Okay, I, I don't think we can look at that and say this, 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 Divinely inspired human author, I don't think we can force that person to be saying that anybody who is skillful in what they do will someday physically stand before multiple kings. I don't think that's what that's saying. Um, I, I think that proverbs are wisdom, and they're meant to be read as wisdom, and they're really, really good wisdom that we should pay attention to. But we shouldn't look at something like this and say this is a this is a promise. It's an input and an output. And by the way, if my child has not or sorry if my child has departed from the way he should go it's because i did something wrong okay i don't think we should look at it that way it's actually kind of a kind of a health and wealth thing if i were to stand here and say your child who has departed from the way he should go he will come back to it because you taught him that in his in his younger days okay i think that's actually kind of a i don't know i don't think i can say that from from the words here so again we see Oh, the other thing I'd say is, is you know, you're, you're evaluating. You're, to, to say that good parenting equals good kids, those are subjective evaluations, okay? What is a good kid? What does that mean? Does that mean not making the mistakes that I made as a kid? Does that mean straight A's? Does that mean zero car accidents? You know, what exactly does that mean? That needs to be broken down, and it can mean so many different things. Um, I'd also throw the word as, as you're evaluating You know, am I a good parent? Did I do a good job? Have I raised them up in the way they should go? Have they departed from it? You can throw the word yet on all of that because there's this thing called time that is playing out that we don't usually see. Um, It just kind of is there and things happen and we think that that's the way they are and and really that's the way they are now and there might be a yet that they're not there yet. So give yourself some grace. Again, we see that. Relax. You won't do this perfectly. People have been parenting for thousands of years with varying degrees of success. There are currently 62.1 million parents in the United States. You do not need to be number one. You do not even need to be number 30 million, okay? Just give yourself some grace, okay? And one of our, uh, one of our abundance of counselors agrees with me on this. Here's another quote from one of the wise people of our church. It says, The need to understand that we... The parents won't do this perfectly is important. To try every day to anchor ourselves in the truth that is God's example through the word, but also to remember to have grace with our own selves and our humanity, knowing that ultimately our children are God's and He has a plan for them individually beyond any success or failure in our parenting decisions. Uh, We read in the Old Testament about a guy named Jacob. Had twelve sons. Jacob was not a great father, um, and he, he wasn't a terrible father. Although maybe you could say he was. He certainly wasn't a great father. Um, in fact, he showed a lot of partiality, favoritism towards one of his sons, his second youngest, um, named Joseph. And that son then got you know a lot of jealousy from his brothers. He got thrown in a pit by his brothers, got sold into slavery, and pretty much abandoned. Okay, not. Not great, like you look at the inputs and outputs there, and it didn't work out so well for that family yet. But God used that, and God used Joseph, and God reconciles those, re- those relationships um, further on. But if we want to use, use Jacob to evaluate our parenting, um, it's, yeah, give yourself some grace. Uh, and this is all under that umbrella. Your own spiritual formation is the best thing you can do to love your kids. Um, here's a quote from Tim Keller. It's actually from a, from a sermon. The sermon was not about parenting; it was really about God's love for us. And, and I, I love that we just we finished with that song, um, "Reckless Love." It's that refrain of "Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God." Think about that as I read this. Tim Keller says the parent child relationship forces us more than any other relationship to love someone the way that God loves us, because in the beginning, your kid gives you nothing and requires everything. So you're not in the position of looking at a child and saying, what can you do for me? What happens over the years, you will find, is that your heart is completely bound up in them. What a great picture that we get to experience just a slice of how God loves us, that reckless love, that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. We get to experience that in a little bit just by the way that we, we love our kids. Um, Dallas Willard defines love as will to good. Okay? So it's, it gets a little awkward, like the, the grammar of it. But think about it that way. We will to good our kids. We want the best for them. Our God wills to good us. And it's really powerful to kind of sit under that and understand that. I, it's, this is a good time now to, to throw out there and, and acknowledge none of us have experienced this perfectly from our parents. None of us have experienced this perfectly from our parents. Not all of us have re- really would say we experienced it well. Um, and there's, there's a number of us who would say, we had a really poor example of this, a really poor earthly example of love from a parent. Um, I, I don't know this for a fact, but so this is made-up subjective data, um, so take it for what it's worth. But I would guess probably, you know, 40%, 50% of the people even just sitting in this room would would subjectively look at their ex- their experience with their earthly parent and say, "No, I didn't really get this experience. I didn't really feel a will to good from my parents." Um, and I think we need to we need to understand that, and we need to acknowledge that, and we need to to really then return to God, because it's God who we get that um, that real model from, of of His love for us. Um, yeah. So we, so we can take all that love from God, let it form us, and then use it to will to good our kids, okay? One little thing on how to will to good your kids and, and kind of this model of, of the love that we get from God, we hear the, the, the saying, spend time with God, okay? That gets thrown out a lot, and that means a lot of different things, and that's a really, really good thing, okay? We should all be spending time with God in all the different things that that could, could possibly mean. I want to point out that most of the time that means one-on-one. And that's just an interesting thought and then how we apply that to parenting. And I I want to give a little push for as we are willing to good, as we are loving our kids, that the one-on-one part of that is really important and really easy to miss and actually really needs to be done intentionally. Um, One thing that, that we started really early on, Cheryl and I, in our parenting journey... When Eli turned three, um, I woke him up early one morning. This was all planned. He knew it was happening. He was pumped about it. Um, Woke him up early one morning, got on the train, went down to Portland, went to the zoo. Um, I think the first time we did this this was kind of an annual thing. The first year, we didn't even spend the night. We got back on the train that evening and came back. And it wasn't, there's nothing that special about the Oregon Zoo. Yeah, the train was kind of cool, but that wasn't really what it was about. It's about that time. It's about that one-on-one time. And that one-on-one time can be a weekend. It can be a trip. It can be 10 minutes running to the grocery store. It can be, hey, I need to run an errand. Kid, you're coming with me. Um, and, and, and you can have some great times that way. My, um, my boss at work, uh, Matt, who runs uh, Sambica, um, one of his practices with his daughter, as she was learning to drive, was, hey, you need some driving experience? Let's go get a donut, okay? takes 10 minutes. She gets the driving experience. They get a donut, but more importantly, there's a little bit of one-on-one time together, and I think that's really important. Um, so, so put in that, that work and, and make, it, make it a priority to get that one-on-one time because that's, how, how, that's one of the ways, one of the important ways that kids really experience that love from a parent. Um, okay, another thing from our abundance of counselors, some of the wise folks in this church. Under the, under the umbrella of the saving grace of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. This is a great one, and we're, we're going to actually do this. It says, a good heart check I'll do when parenting, is it, when parenting is just hard, is to go over 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You replace love with your name, and I'll get through the list and feel nudges where I can improve. So there's grace here. It's not, oh, I'm a failure. It's, oh, there's nudges on where I can improve under this. So if you can get it in front of you, that would be helpful. If not, that's fine. I'll, I'll read it. Um, but 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is that, that love passage, kind of defining love. And um, so again, the practice, I'll read it with the word love in there. But this practice is being suggested is replace the word love with your name. And, are, and, and just kind of think about, are you showing that? Are you being love to your kids? So 1 Corinthians 13... Kind of a cool little practice there to, to just kind of reflect. Um, where's the gospel in this? God has shown his overwhelming love for us, and we get to turn around and show it to our kids, and there's grace in not doing that perfectly all the time. But to do it, to do it well, again, that, that theory I put out there, your spiritual formation is the most important thing you can do to love your kids. Um, Colossians 3, 21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Uh, this is a fun one. I, 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 parent, parents, if you've, if you've uh, been a parent for more than about three seconds, you can probably reflect and realize and see, oh, whoops, I've done this, okay? One thing I like to think of as far as how to avoid this, and this, I don't know where I picked this up. By the way, I have zero original ideas. Everything I'm saying is something I got from somebody else. I don't know where I picked this one up, but the idea of like, try to say yes, Unless you need to say no, say yes to your kids. Um, And there's all kinds of good reasons and all kinds of situations where no needs to be said, obviously. But if no doesn't need to be said, don't say no. Say yes. Um, We ended up, I I was out with a kid yesterday, we ended up getting McDonald's ice cream for no good reason, other than there was no reason to say no. Um, And it cost me six bucks and a really bad customer service experience at the North Bend McDonald's. (laughs) And here's the other thing. I got ice cream too. It's a win-win, okay? Um, so just don't hesitate to say yes. John Tyson, I love this thought, and it's so, you see it in scripture over and over again. John Tyson, if you were in one of our community groups, the last round of videos we did, he was the, the Australian pastor from New York. Um, sounds like a really smart guy because he's, he's Australian. Um, and he is also a really smart guy. But anyway, he says, the role of the father is the giver of blessing. The role of the father, and I think the same could be applied for mother too. We see it in the Bible often as fathers, but that role is giver of blessing. Be the giver of blessing to your kids. Now, that doesn't mean everything they want, every single moment. There are lots of good reasons. You need to be the adult in the room, right? All that sort of stuff. But if you don't need to say no, say yes. Where do we see the gospel in this? Well, I mean, first of all, God said yes to us. Despite all of his reasons, all of the reasons that we gave him to say, no, you don't deserve this, God says yes to us. Uh, we get to act that out just a little bit with our kids by giving them something that maybe is beyond what they deserve or maybe giving them something that they don't deserve. How do we, how do, we do this? How do we make this a part of us? Again, that, like, that core thing I'm saying is your spiritual formation is the best thing you can do to love your kids. Getting that gospel mindset, getting that belief deep inside of you is the best thing you can do to love your parents. Okay, let's talk about aliens. I said we we're going to talk about aliens. Um, this is another thing from one of our wise counselors. Or sorry, from one of our abundance of counselors in the church. This is a quote from an a I-90 church parent. It says, your teen at the ages of 12 to 17 is inhabited by an alien. A puberty alien. This alien will talk back cry for no reason, say illogical things, question your authority, get super angry, and or hide themselves from the world for hours in their room. So what do we do about it? One, don't use the alien as an excuse for rudeness. That's that Colossians. Don't provoke your child. Number two, call out the alien and pray for its quick departure. (laughs) Three, seek out other parents with alien inhabited kids. Okay? Get that abundance of counselors around you. Four, sports activities and other interests help keep the alien at bay. Be interested in those things even if you hate them. Number five, continually remind yourself that the alien invasion is temporary and try not to ruin the relationship before the departure. Okay? Um, So where do we see the gospel in this? Give your kids grace. How many of you were perfect as a 17-year-old? Nobody. Okay, I looked. I actually, look. No, zero, zero of you raised your hands. Good. Um, give your kids some grace. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. Walk through this with them. Um, yeah. Be the adults in the room and, and and call them on their stuff when when that needs to happen. But give them the grace that they need as well. Your spiritual formation is the best thing you can do to love your kids. You, as a disciple of Jesus, will weather this this alien invasion you'll weather this better as a disciple of Jesus than you would, would not as a disciple of Jesus. Um, here's another wise abundance. Abundance of counselors has shared this with us as well. Another quote from a, a I-90 church parent. It says, I try really hard to listen and empathize with my kids and their problems. This is hard for me. I didn't write this, but this is hard for me as well. Okay. Um, Cheryl, told me a good quote, something along the lines of, if you want them to talk about the big things, you have to listen when they talk about the little things, because to them, they're all big things. And this is a work in progress for us, me too. Um, we've been through rounds of, of little things that are big things. If you like, it's, it's been really cool this week, actually kind of thinking back on some of those things, everything from Thomas the Tank Engine to... To Beyblades, and now it's like Ford Rangers and mountain bikes and, and baking and like that's those are the things that are important to our kids, and we all have those things right um, that, that are important to our kids. Those are really big things to them. Okay, don't push it off and tell them it's not important either either with your words or with your actions. Like, get into that with them. Play Beyblades with them. Okay. Um, Work on their truck with them. Ask them about their Pokemon cards. Whatever it takes, get into what they're into. Okay? This is huge. Where is the gospel in this? Think about God's perspective of us. Yeah. How many things do we bring to God that we think and legitimately feel that they are? Really big things. And God, from his perspective, could, doesn't, but could, look at it and say, Psh, that's such a little thing, that's no big deal, I'm not going to bother with that, okay? No, God's perspective on that is that is that he cares wh- about what we care about, um, and we have that model in him. So if we see that from God, then again, I would put it out there, our own spiritual formation is the best thing we can do to love our kids. Um, let's look back at kind of our anchor verse again, that First Timothy four sixteen. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I just want to put out there again, overemphasize maybe a little bit. There's this multiplying effect with this. Okay. If you do this well within you, it multiplies to your kids. Okay, keep a close watch on yourself. Do that well. Persist in in this. Uh, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, okay, on the gospel. Get that deep in our hearts. Yes, that saves ourselves. That also saves our hearers. And as we are essentially teachers in our families, um, that means our kids. Okay, one more uh, abundance of counselors uh, quote here. This one's actually from me, um, but it's kind of not from me <laughs> because it, it, it came from others. If we could go to the next slide. Um, I was a teacher and coach for like 10 years. And I, for the most part, I taught and coached at the middle school and then did most of my coaching at the high school that that middle school fed into. So I saw a lot of families for a lot of years and a lot of siblings, worked with thousands of kids. And there were a handful of, of families that you could just look at and say, there's something going on here that's really good. Um, they have like two, three, four kids that I can look at that I really enjoy working with. They're kind to their peers. They're respected. They're achieving. They're staying out of trouble. Really, again, it's subjective, but good kids, okay? You have, I, I saw a handful of those families, and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta learn something here. There's something going on. So I would go up to those parents. Sometimes I knew them. Sometimes I didn't. And I would say, there's something in your family that is different, that um, you, you have really good kids. Just tell me flat out, how'd you do it? And literally, not making this up, 100% of them just looked at me and said, we just spend time with them. We just spend time with them. It's just time. Just give your kids time. And like actually give them time. Not, not this, me talking to myself right here. Not sitting next to them while on your phone. Or going in the other room and, and getting on the computer and, and working on something. But actually spending time with your kids. That is like so critical. Um, yeah, again, I heard that from so many parents. It was just really, really convicting. Um, so I know I'm a broken record here, um, but a couple big concepts. You'll save both yourself and your hearers. There's this multiplying effect to, to getting the gospel deep inside of us. Uh, saving grace of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. Um, our own spiritual formation is the best thing we can do to love our kids well. Um, but if you want one little, one little tip, And any of these are good. There's a whole packet full of them out on the welcome table. I'd really encourage you to grab it. For me personally, it's just this one of spending time with them. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and I'm just going to kind of read this summary that I have up as a slide, Um, and then I'm going to pray, and then you're going to be ready to answer that question that your kids are going to ask you, right? Your kids are going to say, what's the most important thing you can do to love me? Is it go take me out for ice cream right now. Maybe. Um, that might be an application of it, but really, it's your spiritual formation. Your deep understanding of the gospel is the most important thing. So the good news of the saving grace through faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, getting that as a deeply held belief in your heart, not some surface level, like I, I prayed a prayer once, but I'm not really living that way, but like a deeply sought after, deeply held belief um, Yeah, the kind of belief that cannot help but affect the way we think. Getting that in us is the greatest gift that we can give our kids. Our own spiritual formation is truly the most important thing we can do to love our kids well. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. And this prayer is is out of Psalm 71. Um, Psalm 71, starting in verse 17. Let's pray. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me. And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. God, I just lift up these families. I lift up the, the, the folks that are not parents right now, that, that they would be able to hear this, this wisdom, this encouragement. To, to get a deep understanding of, of the gospel and how that affects all of our relationships. God, I pray for, for those who have kids in the house right now um, that you would just, just help us give ourselves grace, give our kids grace, help us to show our kids grace. And God, as we seek after you, God, I ask that you would just allow your, your power, your love to get deep into our hearts where then it just flows out and, and we are, yeah, we're able to, to raise up this next generation uh, because of the love that you've shown to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.